we get to hang out twice in one week. I can't tell you how exciting that is because it's been a while since I've released two episodes in one week. So I feel lucky to be sitting down hanging out with you again. This episode is a follow-up to Monday's episode. So if you missed episode 117, I'm going to link it below. You got to pause me right now. Like you're not allowed to go any further. You got to go back and listen to episode 117 because it's really It just, you have to, you have to, it's part one. This is part two. Okay. And it's not going to make much sense if you didn't listen to the first part of it. So in that episode, we talked about why thoughts matter, right? We talked about the snowball effect. We talked about, we talked about the 1% theory, you know, how if we change the plane, just one degree, we'd end up in a completely different place. We wouldn't be hanging out in Italy. We would be in Africa somewhere and not that Africa is bad. It's just not where we thought we were going. Right. So we want to take our thoughts captive. We want to take control of our thoughts. And in your homework from Monday's episode, the previous episode, you were to get your thought. Like you were to identify that thought by digging through those questions around the 11 minute mark. So again, if you're still here and you haven't listened to the previous episode, you got to pause me and go back. Okay. Go back to it so that you can come with your homework and we can work through this together. So if you like journal through those questions, thought through those questions, and you identified that core belief, the lie is what I call it, then that's what we're going to need today. That's what we're going to work through, right? Okay, so you've probably heard, take every thought captive, right? It's in the Bible. A lot of people preach about it, teach about it. We want to take thoughts captive. We genuinely want to get a handle on our thoughts, right? And feel more in control of our mental space. But it can feel like a really big thing to tackle. And what does it look like to actually take a thought captive? Is it even possible to take a thought captive and control the narrative that plays over and over in our minds? The good news is yes, it's totally possible. And we're going to learn how to get started right now. Welcome to Her Pursuit, the podcast empowering moms to live with more peace, purpose, and fulfillment starting right now. Join me each week for honest conversations on motherhood, mental health, and growing in our faith. Together, we will explore practical ways to break free from survival mode and discover true peace for the everyday. I'm your host, Kaysen, and I'm so glad you're here. So I don't know about you, but my mental space is easily cluttered. All kinds of things, all kinds of thoughts pack in. I feel like I can't even see straight sometimes, like much less think clearly about a specific thing, right? Like I have scary thoughts, shameful thoughts, negative thoughts. I get stuck in this repetitive loop that can feel really hard to escape. So if you relate to any of those things, you're definitely not alone. If you experience those things, if you have the same kind of thoughts, if your mental space just feels kind of cluttered from time to time, you're not alone in that. I get it. I get it. And in the previous episode, like I said, we talked about the power of a thought and how our thoughts are so powerful that they basically determine the quality and direction of our lives. And I think the next logical question that we're all wondering and thinking is like, okay, well, how do I direct them then? Like, what do I do about it? How do I steer them in a different direction and get to where I want to go? So figuring out how to get back in the driver's seat can seem like a really overwhelming and impossible task. And as your honest mom friend, okay, who understands all of this, I'm not going to pretend that this is easy. It's simple in some ways and it is possible, but it's really not easy. It's really not easy. It can be really, really hard. And if we, I think if we can figure out this one thing, then we can take our power back and we can walk in peace and freedom. You know, these like the peace is like a fruit of the spirit. And if you're a Christian mom, you're like, I feel like I should be having this fruit, but why don't I feel the peace? Because I feel like I'm walking with the Lord. Like what's, what's up? 
we want these things, right? We want peace. We want to feel free. You want to feel better. You want to think differently. You want to experience true joy, true peace, and freedom. So learning to take control of our mindset is important and it's essential for our mental and emotional well-being. So I'm glad that you're here because that's exactly what we're going to get into. Let's talk about how. What can this actually look like for you on a daily basis as a busy mom who may be really struggling with these negative thoughts. Before we do that, I do have to remind you that I'm just relaying this information, right? Like I'm just your friend. I'm not a therapist. This is not medical advice, okay? The information here is intended to support and encourage you, help you in your journey, wherever you're at. This is important because for some of you, your next step is to seek out a therapist who can help you walk all of this out and put the pieces together and figure out the thoughts and identify them and like get in the weeds with you like in real life. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in needing that. I openly share that I'm an advocate for therapy. I participate in therapy and there should never be any shame around finding someone trained and qualified to help you along in your journey to do just that. So the first step for me, this is just Kaysen's process. Okay. So take this into consideration. Remember, The first step for me in taking control of my thoughts is, first of all, that we choose the one thought because hashtag baby steps, right? Like we can't take on all the things, like not all the thoughts, just choose one thought. So the first thing you have to be able to do is identify the thought. I call it a lie most of the time. What's the lie? Okay. If you did your homework from the previous episode, you dug through some questions that I had you think about journal through, and I hope that you came up with the one thing that the one thought that's maybe negative or scary or keeping you stuck. Okay. So identifying that is step one. Awareness is always the first step because we can't change what we have not identified. And because we often have thousands of thoughts racing through our minds each day and it's easy to get lost in them, we have to get super intentional and just choose the one, right? Like this whole process takes really intentional action, but the first step is actually sitting and thinking about what you're usually thinking about, which can be, if you're anything like me, like you get super in your head and it's like, okay, what am I actually thinking about all the time? I'm always thinking, but when I go to think about it, like, I don't know what I'm thinking about, but maybe you've identified a negative thought pretty quickly. Maybe it takes you some time to figure it out. Either way is fine. Like, don't judge yourself. Just let it be. Okay. It'll come. It will come back around. And when it does, like, ooh, like take it and write it down or type it into your notes. Uh, We're going to get into that in a minute. Actually, don't type it into notes unless I absolutely have to. But a tool that I love to use for kind of just like bringing things up to the surface, if I'm feeling bold, I guess, during certain seasons of life. Because sometimes, if I'm honest, my default is like suppression, suppression, like not going to feel it, not going to notice it, not going to admit that it's there. But I do love to use mindfulness and meditation. I mention this regularly because it's super helpful. Um, There are some interesting theories about mindfulness and meditation, but I love it. You know, by simply sitting and observing our thoughts without judging ourselves, we can gain clarity and insight into the different thinking patterns that we've developed. I will not lie. This can be super overwhelming in the beginning because we have, like, I have so many thoughts and there's so much there. It just can, like, cause more anxiety, which if you're, if you struggle with anxiety, you get it. It's like your anxiety gives you anxiety and, like, no, no need to say anymore. Like, you get it. But you'll be surprised at what comes up for you if you just take, you know, 30 seconds or a minute to sit in stillness and it gets easier. You do gain clarity over time. And I know that it sounds impossible because you're like, well, when do I have the time to do this? Like, when can I even do this? But if you can find one minute, which I know you can somewhere in your day to do this, like it is absolutely going to pay off. So the second step after you've got the thought 
is to write it down. You remember earlier I was saying sometimes I'll type it in notes, but if I can, when I can, I write it down every single time. There's something about pen to paper, writing things down and getting them out of your mind, out of your head, and just onto paper. I don't know. There's just something about it. Not notes app, not on a laptop, not typing. I always write it down, okay? Once we're aware of our thoughts, we can begin to challenge them. This is step three. Many of our thoughts are so automatic. They're so habitual, but the problem is that they might not be serving us. So just because it's a thought that tends to come up over and over, and just because we think it automatically doesn't mean that it's a good thought or one that we want to keep in the narrative of our minds, right? For example, if we have the thought, I'm not a good mom. You know what? Actually, I said I was going to share one of my thoughts. So let me just use a personal example. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Okay, one of the things that I wrote down a couple months back when I was doing this for myself, just as I normally do, I wrote down, I can't help others when I still struggle with the thing I'm trying to help them through. So in step three, which the more that you do this, it won't feel like a step, 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 right? You don't have to think through the steps. You're just going to do it. But this is where I began to challenge the thought by asking myself, is this really true? The answer is no. Of course, that's not true. Is there evidence to support the thought that I'm thinking, like that I can't help other people or encourage other women and mom, other moms walking through the same thing? No, there's no evidence that says you absolutely have to be perfect and you have to arrive and have it all figured out before you can encourage other people in their journey. Nowhere does it say that anywhere at all. And so I ask myself, is this really true? What supports this thought? I may feel unqualified or not worthy to encourage other people with the same struggle, but are feelings, the way that I feel, are those things always fact? No. Can the way you feel always be trusted? No. So I also ask myself, is there evidence that contradicts this thought? Um, yeah, the Bible has a lot of contradictions to that thought. Nowhere in the word does it say that you have to be perfect before you encourage your neighbor or before you speak life into someone else or before you, you know, God will use you. It doesn't say any of that anywhere. Okay, so that is basically step four. I reframe the thought or I rewrite it completely, like literally write it down side by side so I can compare the lie to the truth. And I love to go directly to scripture for the truth. It's like, just let the word of God be the truth that replaces the lie. So two Bible verses that for me proved that that specific thought was incorrect were Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, which I paraphrased. And it basically says, God will equip me to do all that he's asking me to do. So I know that God is, if God is calling me to this, he is going to equip me every step of the way. And then another one of my very favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. Again, I am paraphrasing and generally it basically says that the thorn in my flesh, aka this struggle of negative thoughts, anxious spirals, getting stuck in survival mode here and there, you know, that thing that I still fall into from time to time, you know, that some of you also listening, you struggle with as well. That is my reminder of God's grace and sufficiency. I don't have to be strong at all or all the time or have it fully figured out. I'm always going to struggle to an extent with this thing. Like this is the thorn in my flesh, but it's okay because like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, his power is made perfect in weakness. When I'm weak, I'm strong because the power of Christ is, it rests on me. It's at work within me. So practically I can look at the evidence of 
you know, the messages and the reviews and the emails that so many of you send, like you're saying, this is helping me so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for talking about this. This has changed my life. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. And it's not to build case up and see like, see, you're doing such a good, a good job, but I can take that evidence and remind myself that this thought is simply not true. This thought that you can't help that for me, I, that I can't help other people or encourage others walking through the same struggle until, you know, as long as I'm still struggling with it, it's just not true. And often we find that our negative thoughts, they're not based on reality. They're oftentimes based on fear or insecurity. And you're going to find the same thing for yourself when you try this out. And maybe you've done it before and, and you know that to be true. And this whole process is not only backed by research, but it's backed by scripture. So I want to take a look at one more verse. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That means if it's not those things, if it's not one of those things, it doesn't get to be on repeat in my mind. And again, I know this is so much easier to just say than to actually do and put into practice, but this is how you do it. This is how I do it. This is how I've done it is I take either I'll make a list of the lies in my head or the negative thoughts or the scary thoughts or whatever's keeping me stuck in my mind. I I get it all out onto paper and then I challenge it and then I move through this process one thought at a time. And when I notice it coming up, then I repeat the truth to myself. I replace whatever that negative thought is with the truth. So here we see in scripture, a research-based practice, a scientific practice that's proven to help people move through these negative thoughts and reframe them and replace them with truth. And yet this verse has been tucked into scripture for how many years? I mean, for a really long time. So The idea of taking thoughts captive and controlling the narrative in your mind and managing your mindset and renewing your mind day by day, this is absolutely nothing new. It's not a new struggle. It's not, there's no new solution. It's just, it's been there all along. And I love how, you know, there are so many very intelligent, like highly educated, highly intelligent people scientifically doing research and understanding like the complexities of all of this that I could not even fathom to attempt to like dig into. But they're finding that science and research is backing up what God has said all along. And it just makes me smile. It makes me laugh. It makes me giggle. And I'm just like, of course it does. Like, of course, that's what you're finding out. Of course, you have this process that helps people move through. And of course, is backed by scripture. Like, unbeknownst to them, like they don't necessarily even know that these, we see people in the Bible kind of moving through these things on their own. And we'll get into some of those examples in the episodes to come. But I just wanted to kind of share that last verse with you because I'm sure you've heard it before, but it fits exactly into what we're talking about as far as taking control of your thoughts, taking the narrative back and you deciding what to think. You taking the thought, evaluating it, challenging it, and then replacing it with truth if it does not belong anywhere in your mental space. And so maybe I did mess up. Maybe I was reactive or, you know, instead of responding to one of my kids, (laughs) this, this is not hypothetical, just so everyone knows, 
You know, so instead of that, I'm a terrible mom, I can use reframing to think different things or a different thought. Like, yes, I made a mistake. Yes, I exploded and I shouldn't have, but I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm trying. Maybe, not maybe, we definitely repent. We apologize. We apologize to our children or whoever else that it may have involved. We repent. We ask God to help us have more self-control in the moment. We ask him to, you know, cleanse our heart. And maybe you go you go even so far as to say, like, next time I will, and then you come up with a better way of responding. So you essentially have this game plan in place when this certain trigger happens again or when the th- certain thought circles back around, you know, so that you're better prepared and you come up with a better way to respond in the moment. By reframing thoughts, we shift our mindset from one of negativity, one of like, where you could potentially spiral out of control to feeling, moving into empowerment, into reminding yourself of truth and walking in the truth. And you can use these tools with any kind of thought, any kind of thought at all. So let's recap what we've talked about, the steps, if you will. Number one, the step, the first step is identify the thought, okay? Number two, write it down. Number three, examine and challenge the thought. The questions that I use are, is it true? Is there evidence that supports the thought? Is there evidence that contradicts this thought? Number four, reframe the thought or rewrite it completely. And then the final step, number five, is to rehearse the new thought. The new thought is the one that we start to put on repeat. The new thought is what we correct the old thought with, and it's what we shift to when the old thought comes up. This is a part of my morning routine. Most mornings I start the day off, I look at my list of thoughts that I've written down, examined and reframed or rewritten, and I pray through them. And when you do this over and over, you refocus your mind and you are choosing the new thought, the same thought, you're correcting it and reminding yourself of the truth, the truth starts to stick when you do this. And before you know it, that thought, the old thought, it isn't on repeat anymore. You aren't feeling so overwhelmed by it. It's not as loud as it once was. It starts to get quiet and it starts to go away. But it does take time. It takes practice. It takes patience. But it is possible and it is a very, this whole process is a very proactive way to approach your day, to approach your mindset, to approach all of your thoughts. And like I said, starting with one, if you want, and going from there. So you start with the one thought and you replace it. And every time it comes up, you take it captive. Every time it comes up, you take control, you start to steer that thought in the direction that you want to go in the direction of truth, because that's what you ultimately want to walk in. That's what you want to live in is truth and freedom and joy and peace. And when you start to decide the narrative, when you take a proactive approach, even, you know, don't wait until you feel bogged down by all the negative thoughts in your spiraling, or maybe you do, maybe that is when you take action, but you can also take action before you get there. This is something I have to remind myself of all the time. It's like, Kaysen, you don't have to wait until you feel completely overwhelmed and, you know, you're just swirling with all kinds of thoughts. You can do this as a proactive means of taking thoughts captive and choosing proactively what you're going to think on for the day. And it's so freeing. It is so freeing. It's like a weight lifts and you start to see clearly and you realize, you know, what was going on, that it was just a negative thought and it was just stuck. And now that you've gotten unstuck, you can move forward in a new belief. And this is part of what we talked about in episode 115. So I'll link it below because if you've missed that, you've absolutely got to go back to that episode. 
But it is so freeing when you start to do this and when you start to feel better and when you start to walk in the truth. I personally believe this is what it means to walk in truth, to live in truth, to live in the abundant and free life that God's called us to right now. Galatians 5.1 says it's for freedom that he set us free. It is for freedom that he set you free. It's for freedom that he went to the cross, that he died for your sins, that he endured the pain and the suffering and all of those things, not so that you could continue to live as a slave, not so that you could continue to live in bondage to these thoughts and stay stuck and be kept captive. It's so you could be free, so you could live free. And freedom is here. And when you taste it and you see it, it's so good. And you just, you're going to want more, I promise. So please remember, you're not stuck. You are not stuck, even if you've carried the same thoughts for years, because I definitely have during seasons of my life. You're not stuck. You're not stuck forever. You don't have to stay in those toxic thought patterns. You can renew your mind day by day, just like the word says, and rewrite the story that you tell yourself Every single day, every single morning when you wake up and before you go to bed and maybe midday, just throughout the day. So this just barely scratches the surface when it comes to taking thoughts captive. This was a very high level overview just to like break the ice and get us started. But this practice is one that we're not only called to as Christians, but it it is truly an essential part of our mental and emotional well-being. By becoming aware of our thoughts and challenging them and reframing them, we can shift our mindset, and we can go from feeling stuck, being in survival mode, or feeling negative, constantly spiraling, to a mindset of peace and freedom, one that feels empowered to control the narrative that's playing, because that's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The science of neuroplasticity shows us what God says is true, as if we needed proof, right? Like if we needed proof and facts to back it up, Science provides that for us. Our brains are highly adaptable and we can actively rewire them. We can change our minds. We can change our bodies and our lives and how we act, how we respond, what we believe by, how do we do it? By repeatedly engaging in the positive thoughts and behaviors. So continuing to refocus and refocus onto the truth and hold on to the truth and remind ourselves of truth. And you're going to feel more fulfilled and life is going to be more satisfying because you're going to be walking in freedom and abundance, which is exactly what God intended for you when he created you. So decide now that you are going to implement this process into your life regularly. Decide to take control of your thoughts one by one and begin to walk in the fullness of Christ and that abundant life that he has for you right now. I'll see you next time, friend.